It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, Jeff, let's dive back into and shout question. out to all right. Shout out to our locked on fantasy guys for a second, because when it comes to that idea about Jonathan and it was not a born of hate. It was born of more of a fantasy mentality of the fact that, hey, the Dodgers have a need. Could the Reds take advantage? And by take advantage, I mean that trade is super skewed for the Reds. And even then, I still don't know that I'm even willing to accept the idea of trading Jonathan Indy because I love what I've seen from him so far. So, no! I, I love how much it. this makes you squirm. It's fantastic <laughs> because this was all your own doing. <laughs> you you <laughs> had to You know. turned it on me. <laughs> you had to know that's what I was going to do. You had to know. <laughs> For right. once, I just like to create a monster and it go right. So I dropped that David Bell thing in there because uh, we got a comment about it uh, when we oh. were mentioning it up front. David Bell deserves an extension. So I, I just wanted to kind of tease for Monday. I, I'm pretty sure you probably want to wait and talk about this on Monday. But uh, I'll just let, yeah. let you tease to it a little bit. Yeah, and, and, and I don't want to go too in-depth because it's going to be our main topic on Monday. But this year, 
has such a wide range of outcomes to it. The Reds could be a lot more surprisingly good than we thought they were, or they could regress and still be around 100 losses or something like that. And I don't know anybody wants to see that. But this is the last year of David Bell's contract. What can he do to get another year? And, and is this a case where he's just going to get another year, period? I think that's worth discussing. But I think that you know there are some things that he can do to prove that he should still be here because the dude has gone from managing a playoff hopeful to managing a rebuilding process. And I think that that means that the whole goalpost has changed for what a new contract should look like for him. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to talking about this. I have some thoughts on single year versus multi-year extension, and we're going to have all that for you on Monday's podcast. So click those subscribe buttons right now so you don't miss any of it. Uh, Danny checks in and says, as someone that has been around since right before the big red machine, there is nothing the Castellinis can do to earn back my trust. Where are you going to go? Away. That's where. Well, you know, um, Jeff and I aren't quite there. We still go down to the ballpark hey. every chance that we get. But listen, um, I, I've said way back, Castellini is not going to rob me of one of my favorite things, which is going down to the ballpark and walking around and talking to you all and drinking a beer and camping out down at the Budweiser bar and all the things I like to do. I'm not going to stop doing that because Castellini's were a jerk. Um, but he's not going to, I'm not, we're not going to be best friends. That's what I'm saying. And I think that, the best thing that any owner in sports can be is invisible. Um, I I know plenty of people would much rather not know anything about Jerry Jones who are Cowboys fans. And I'm sure there are plenty of folks in the Mets, you know, the Mets country or whatever they call their fan base um, that are really, really happy with Steve Cohen but they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop because this has to feel like a little bit of just like, holy crap, this just feels like it keeps getting better and better and better because at some point, owners do something that fans hate. doesn't matter what. There's usually something that happens, and hopefully it's nothing too bad, like you know, talking about like the Washington Commanders and all that other stuff but uh, and what Dan Snyder likes to do. But when it comes to ownership, the best thing they can be is invisible. And we know for a fact that for years, the Castellinis have tried to, you know, do this or maybe like they're the, they're the owner of the restaurant that comes into the kitchen and starts, you know, messing with the food that the chefs are preparing. Like, I, I wish they would stop doing that. And I wish that I had concrete evidence that they're not going to do it anymore because that in and of itself made me mad enough. But then when you come out and you try to ostracize fans, whether they be casual fans, whether they be fair weather fans or whether they be diehard fans in the rosy reds, then not only do you actually put yourself in front of the team, but you etch yourself on everyone's memory. Like, like you said, like if the Reds win the World Series this year, the first thing that everybody's going to think when they see Phil Castellini is, where are you going to go? He is never going to live that down. There's never going to be a person that forgets that. So congratulations to him for doing that because he has etched himself into Cincinnati infamy. But when it comes to owners, they just need to be invisible. I agree with you, Jeff. Um, my mouse is locked up. Hang on. I thought we'd get a little long, so I shut myself down. 
Poofy haired fancy boy checks in finally with one I can post um, the over under on the Reds signing Aristides Aquino by July. This is funny because Mark answered the question for him. Uh, Aristides Aquino is making millions of dollars in Japan. He's not coming back because of that. And the Reds aren't bringing him back. They have moved on. But I love the daily dose of Aristides Aquino. I thought it was funny. I was on a I was on a podcast with somebody and one of their first questions was what do you expect on me? from what are you cheating on me no i was a guest (laughs) (laughs) they invited me what am i supposed to say no but if steve comes with me yes (laughs) yes that's what you're no i'm kidding (laughs) but yeah one of the first questions i was asked is uh what do you expect from aristides aquino i'm like well i expect he likes japanese food right now and i don't know Danny asks about Jose Barrero. He says the Jose Barrero experiment may have soured the Reds on bringing guys up too fast. Um, yeah. Well, no, then there's remember, Jonathan India. Yeah, you got to remember what was going on also when they brought yeah. Jose Barrero up. I mean, there was a limited pool of players to to pick from. Everybody was out at Prasco. That was during the COVID season. Uh, you know, in normal baseball, normal baseball, I don't think that we see Jose Barrero in that season at all he'd have been playing down in dayton instead yeah. of at prasco so dayton or um i think at that came, point he was probably he came out of dayton he had only been at, he had been at dayton he had okay. been high a right or maybe it was daytona at the time before they flipped yeah, i'm not sure he was at high a yeah. when they pulled him to prasco so uh, in a normal baseball year we wouldn't have seen jose barrero so um the guys that are that are on the cusp the guys that we're talking about now have worked their way through the system more in regular yeah. baseball times. So it's different. Uh, you know, will and, it make him a little cautionary? Probably, but it's different. And low key, like uh, just based on the reports and based on what people are saying and based on their performances, these guys all sound like they have more talent than Jose Barrero did. Like Jose Barrero was the, t- the Reds top prospect at a time when the farm system was ranking in the bottom third of the league. Like it wasn't a good deep, farm system whenever he was at the top of it so to say well he was a top prospect at the time like it's, that's it's different like i i wonder where he would rank and and be a question maybe for our friend doug over at redsminorleagues.com but i wonder if you put uh the prospect jose barrero who we haven't seen in the major leagues just yet like back in 2019 that jose barrero where does he rank in this farm system is he a top 10 player because i mean i don't know that's actually interesting hypothetical we'll have maybe do that that's we should write that down somewhere for off-season talk when we're trying to come up with topics for write that down uh austin asks is barry larkin is back in the booth again this year yes he is um this off-season i've had the opportunity to talk to both john sadak and chris welsh and they both have told me that the booth will operate uh the same this year uh as like it did last year with the exception um, uh, Malachi saying is Joey Votto should call games until he's ready to play. Joey Votto will not be in the booth this year. Uh, Joey Votto was in the booth last year because he could not do any baseball things at all coming off of that surgery. Uh, right now he's rehabbing and getting ready. So he doesn't have time to screw around. He's not going to be in the booth. Uh, that could and be shout a shout out to him for still, yeah, still being around the team and still being around the game mm-hmm. at that point. Like, I mean, most guys who are out for the year generally kind of kick back and just make sure that they rehab, make sure that they heal, and that's kind of it. But he did a lot of different stuff to kind of transform his own 
a legacy when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds. Like it's going to be a long time before we forget what Joey Votto did while he was hurt in 2022. BR7 says that he has a catcher's room name for Aloha Fridays, the catcher's cabana. He says, I'm the worst, LOL. Catcher's cabana. Hey, it's not the catcher's cave. Catcher's cabana. I I could roll with that. Uh, Tyler Stevenson told me he really enjoyed Maui. He's into the tropical, tropical groove. So, especially for the irony of having a very tropical name for Ohio or Cincinnati, like yeah, I'm rolling with the Catcher's Cabana. Yeah, I'm bringing the Aloha baby. I'll share it. The I'll catcher, share it with all of Ohio. The Catcher's Cabana. See, look at you rewrite song <laughs> lyrics. See, Catcher's Cabana is catchy. How's that? Yeah, good I job, mean, you can Poofy. just change that, that song. And, yeah, that's it. Catcher's Cabana. We have decided. Great job, BR. Uh, BR also says, Matt McClain looks like he fell out of a Norman Rockwell painting. Man, I hope they bring him up fast. He is awesome. I agree. Uh, I reposted that interview I did with him. If you guys missed it, it's in uh, my Twitter feed. You can also find it in the uh, Locked on Reds uh, archives on the YouTube page. Uh, great talk with him. I think he's a great dude. I, I'm... I expect to see him this year. I don't know exactly when I don't have a good gauge on that just yet. Like I said, I need to see more, but I think we'll see him this year. I think so too, just because that last season that he went through was such a struggle that I think that is the thing that they talk about. Like cowboy always talks about guys who get called up too fast and they don't experience struggle. Matt McClain experienced an entire year of that. And he is coming. I mean, the, the, performance that he's putting on in spring right now i firmly expect him to continue at triple a whenever the season begins and then we're just going to see him continue to gain from the kind of a struggle that it was in 2022 and that's an also a cautionary tale as well because it's easy for us when we look at prospects who have a rough year to kind of write them off at that point it's like ah well they're they're done and even jonathan india when he was at double a he did not hit very well or when he was at high a daytona back then um he didn't hit very well in high A Daytona and people were kind of wondering if he was still a prospect rookie of the year. I mean, hell of a, uh, you know, I told you so. Funny you mentioned Jonathan India because that's where Danny was going with this. He says that Matt McClain reminds him a lot of Jonathan India. Do you want to expand on that? Do you, do these two guys remind you a lot of each other? I think all things being equal, I think Matt McClain's a better athlete than Jonathan India. I think so. Um, I think, you know, if you were to compare apples to apples and say, which one do you think would be a better second baseman? I think Matt McClain might actually be the better defensive second baseman there. That's not to say that I think they should move India right now for Matt McClain, but it's, it's showing that the Reds do have that depth there and India, whenever he came up, he was not a, he was not a power guy. He wasn't really that highly rated of a prospect. Like he was in the Reds top 10, but it wasn't as if people were like just fawning over him like we were about Ellie De La Cruz or even Jose Barrero at the time. So I, I really think that the way that Matt McLean profiles is very similar to him in that aspect. Kyle checks in. Hey, Kyle, how you doing? He wants to know, would we rather Stevenson hit 260 or 270 with 30 or 40 home runs or have him hit 300, 310 with 20 to 30 home runs? Uh, the second one? I think I would take the second one. I'd rather have him on base a little bit more and give up 10 home runs. 
See, I think I'll take the first one because, and and it depends on where you're putting them. If you do put them in the three or the four hole spot, those numbers play a lot better because those 30 or 40 home runs might be two or three run homers. Yeah, I guess that's fair. It's hard when you take those, those 10 home run swings because yeah. you know, is that 10 is that what does that 10 home runs mean? And you're right. If there's a lot of guy on base, when he hits those 10 home runs, that's kind of a big deal. It's a lot of RBIs. It's a, it's a lot of, a lot of more stats there, but ah, I don't know. I'm always like, get a, get on base. I want the guy, you know, yeah. if, if we know that the batting average with the extra home runs is still like 260, I would rather have him on base at a 310 clip. I think over the course of a season. Well, let's, let's say that between those two statistics, I think 260, 270 with 30 to 40 homers is him batting cleanup and 310 or 300 to 310 with 20 to 30 is him batting second. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Well, Jeff, uh, this one's for you, I think. Uh, Greg asks if I can click the button. Good grief. None of my stuff's working, guys. I'm sorry. Uh do you guys see any major surprises on the newly released MLB Pipeline Reds top 30 prospects list? Did anything jump out at you? I mean, it continues to to surprise me a little bit how far Austin Hendrick keeps falling because that's still in the whole category of it still feels like we don't know what we don't know about him. But I think that the injuries on top of the strikeouts that he has shown so far in his minor league career just kind of seem to pile on. And the more people talk about it and the more people see him do it, the more they're just like, this guy's not even a prospect. I think he could surprise this year if he really starts figuring it out and starts hitting for a lot of power. And then people could be like, oh, well, maybe the Reds can get something out of this guy. I'm putting this up for uh, because Bill's reading my mind, and this is for the audio feed people that are getting the question and comments as a bonus episode. If you're not on the live show if you're not in the youtube comments you are really missing out bill says steve's reading the comment thread like what the hell is wrong with these people there is a lot jeff there is a lot and i mean a lot going on in the comment thread today these people are crazy and there's a lot of stuff i can't dive into but there's some fun stuff happening again parody account jeff's chest hair i don't know what it's gonna how it's exactly gonna read but it's coming 100 percent guarantee <laughs> Uh, what's the next question, guys? I got to get through some of these conversations to find actual questions right now. There's a lot of talk happening. Uh, sorry, I'm getting there, Jeff. Saj says the higher average does nothing for Stevenson. He's the one who's driving in the runs. I'd rather have him hit more home runs than get stranded on base all the time. That's a fair point. I mean, good talk about who's hitting behind him and what the bottom, if it's Joey Votto five or six and Joey's having a comeback player of the year season, that'd be great. I would take that. Yeah. If you could have a one, two, three punch in the middle of that order of, um, hopefully a resurgent Will Myers, uh, Tyler Stevenson, and then Joey Votto, that looks pretty awesome. And then you just add Ellie De La Cruz to that halfway through the year. And you've got maybe a Will Benson that lives up to the hype that I'm putting on him. Like, this lineup could be sneaky good. It really could. Oh my goodness. That is a word, by the way, and I, I would be interested to, to hear what people think about this. What is the one word that we're going to hear the most about this team? And if the Reds are winning the way that we think they could, you know, getting closer to that 75 win total, 
we're going to hear the word sneaky a lot. Whether you're talking about pitching, hitting, fielding, you're going to hear a lot of announcers being like, man, this team is sneaky good. Yeah, I think that's right. And and that hashtag will probably get resurrected, right? Sneak on, on in. in. <laughs> Sneak on in. Here's an interesting one from Bill Dunstan. Uh, will India and Stevenson get traded at the end of their contracts? One of them uh, will be extended. One of them will be extended. I think it's uh, this. This is the season I think that will decide which one of them it is. If Tyler Stevenson is healthy and delivers and plays in these multiple spots and does well, I think it will be him. I think that's the guy they'll lock up just because of this, this glut of middle infielders that are coming up. If you've only got a limited amount of dollars, you lock up the guy that's your big bopper catcher, first baseman DH, and you replace Jonathan India, uh, which falls into your trade Jonathan India idea. So well, I, and, I think, and, 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 and I don't say that one sarcastically, Jeff. I mean, it, no, it falls no, yeah. into that, right? Like at some point, one of those dudes gets traded, it's probably Jonathan India. I think too, like if if India bounce back, bounces back as or, or close to as much as he's saying, because he's saying he's gonna have a better year than his rookie of the year campaign. And if he can even get close to that, along with now the added value of hopefully what he becomes in the locker room, he he might be that guy. I mean, he might be the guy that the Reds are just like, we we want you around for a long while. I could see measure I, I could see a long extension for one and a measured extension for the other. I don't think we're talking about one of these guys being traded before the end of their rookie contract. I think both play at least one or two more years and maybe three or four more years past what their rookie contract would have had them as Reds. So a buyout of the last couple plus plus one or two. Is that what mm-hmm. you're thinking? I think so. All right. Mark asked about my Budweiser bar comment. Then I'll, I'll clarify this because Jeff, I love when we run into people oh, yeah. and hang out with people out at the ballpark. So Jeff and I frequent the Budweiser bar. It's always a stop on our rotation when we're at great American ballpark. So there's two areas. And I think what Mark's confusing is the Budweiser bar with the handlebar. Uh, the handlebar is down the right field line upstairs. You have to buy tickets to get in. That's a special area that costs more, um, comes with some things. Uh, the Budweiser bar is out in right field above the bullpens. Uh, you can just walk in there. There is an area of seating that you have to buy tickets for, but there's also rails. So Jeff and I go out there, grab a couple beers, prop up on the rails. It's my like favorite spot in the ballpark looking directly down the right field line. So uh, anytime that we say we're out at the ballpark, you can be guaranteed you'll run into us uh, making the trek out there to climb the stairs to the, to the bow tie. And we do always, yeah, the bow tie, the bow tie bar. We always call this like 20 million different names because I'll call it the handlebar. And then you'll be like, no, that's the other thing. And I'll be like, yeah, you're right. The bow tie bar, the bow tie bar is where it is. And then it's also kind of nice because, I mean, nice view of the river. You can look down to Paul Brown Stadium, like, you know, in between innings when your your mind wanders for a second, like you can kind of indulge the wondering and just look around for a minute and get a nice brew as well because they got a very good selection up there. I watched the fireworks out there on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty spectacular, actually, because all of northern Kentucky was just going off. So you, know, you could turn around and watch some fireworks, catch the at-bat, turn around, come back. Now, with the new timing rules, you'd probably miss two innings doing it that way. But <laughs> yeah. it, Especially it, if Wandy Peralta's pitching. No Holy crap. Kidding. 
No kidding. How about that former red performance there? Definitely a sweet spot. Now, hey, he did Joseph, it against the Pirates, so that's encouraging for opening day, but yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Joseph Gedica checks in. Talking about Nick Senzel. Senzel missing camp thus far puts him even further behind the eight ball. Wish him well, but I don't know. Uh, the clock is ticking quickly on him uh, being something or not. Uh, yeah, the, the fact that he's not around while Will Benson is uh, yeah. making an impression – that's and Henry Ramos for him. too. I mean, yeah. I, Henry Ramos has to do a lot more than Will Benson does. But yeah, Will Benson's playing himself into a pseudo everyday role, or maybe like a you know three out of five days type role. And, and I mean, if if I Nick just Senzel I don't know how here, to argue for Nick Senzel anymore. I mean, I don't know how to you know what I mean. I don't know how to lobby for him. I don't know and, how to to advocate for him when he just. He's just got to go take it away from somebody at this point. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. He's just got to do it. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate because we do. We want to see him succeed, but the hardest part about that is he's not there. Like, you got to be there. You got to be playing. And if you're going to be on the IL still, which, like we said with Joey, we don't want to see him until he's 100% healthy, but that is really hurting Nixon's L stock right now, and the stock's already kind of low. Jared thinks that Nick Senzel is going to come back and play all right as a utility guy and then get traded at the deadline. That's interesting. Jeff, if Senzel comes back and does, you know, let's call it a 110 OPS plus now that we have uh, done an education episode on OPS plus, let's say he's 110, 115 coming back this season. If you can get something for him at the deadline, is it time to just pull the plug and get whatever you can get and move on? I think so. And, and that's going to be an episode and I don't know that it's going to be during spring training, but probably early on in the season, once we know what the roster looks like, you know, we'll compile a list of players and it's not going to be near as big as it's been in the last couple of years, but a list of players that the Reds could flip at the deadline for something. I wonder if he would be on that list or if he would be a guy that you would have to package with somebody. Like maybe you say like, Nixon Zell and, and Chad Pender or something like putting those two guys together and maybe you get a you know you get like a top 20 top 30 prospect or something like that it's not going to be not going to be Noel V Marte or something like that but you know you, you could flip them for a project type dude Mike Singer checks in and says with Jesse Winker now in Milwaukee will he haunt us this season um I think that Jesse Winker has a lot of things to figure out. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that came out during his time in Seattle that says he has some issues to figure out. And uh, I believe that some of this stuff that we learned about while he was in Seattle was probably going on in Cincinnati. And Cincinnati is just very, very good at controlling the narrative when it comes to things like that. Uh, they do a pretty good job of keeping the lid on things. So, I think Jesse Winker is going to be more focused maybe on some reputation repair and getting himself right. Uh, I think he could have a decent season. I do not think he's going to be a Reds killer, if that's the question. I think that uh, you know he can may have a moment or two, but I'm not really worried about having to play him or having him in the division. No, and I think that Milwaukee will play him kind of like the Reds played him whenever um... – Wow, I just lost his name. About three or four years ago, whenever he was part of the platoon. Um, gosh, I cannot remember the guy's name. 
but anyway, it, he was only playing against right-handed pitching. So, I mean, we'll see him against Hunter Green. We'll see him against uh, Graham Ashcraft and guys like that. We won't see him against Nicoladolo because Nicoladolo, I firmly believe, would carve Jesse Winker up because Jesse Winker did not figure out how to hit lefties whenever he went to Seattle. That's always been the thing that's played them on the field. But yeah, with all the stuff that's kind of played them on the field, I really, I really felt for him, like hearing about all the stuff that he was going through. And I felt like, you know, yeah, probably some of that was going on in Cincinnati. And then it just got exacerbated whenever he went to Seattle and it kind of became a, a, a bit of a problem for him. So I, I wish him nothing but the best, but I also, I don't know, man. Like when I look at Milwaukee, I look at a team that I think is going to take a step back. And I know a lot of people are still saying that they could compete with the Cardinals. I think part of that is just wanting to see somebody compete with the Cardinals in this division. But I think the Brewers as a whole take a step back this year. Wow, you teased this perfect and you didn't even know it was coming. Austin wants to know what are the final standings of the National League Central this year? Uh, expand on that. Uh, how do you see the pecking order uh, heading into 2023? So this uh, depends on the health of Paul Goldschmidt, mm -hmm. but I think that the Cardinals win the division. Now, if they have problems and, and, and Paul Goldschmidt misses significant time, and I'm singling him out. I'm not saying Nolan Arenado. I'm not saying Wilson Contreras. I'm saying if Paul Goldschmidt misses significant time, I don't think that lineup can replace him. So I, I think that they do take a step back if he is out. But if he's healthy, they win the division. I think the Cubs take second place. I really think that the Cubs have built something that this is the year, this is kind of like their moving year where they take that step forward and then next year they're going to be a division title contender. I think the Milwaukee Brewers have just stepped in something with Corbin Burns, and I think it's going to affect the entire team. I don't know why they're they're kind of messing with that. They should have signed him for whatever he wanted for as long as he wanted because he's one of the three best pitchers in the in the game of baseball. But instead they're choosing to do arbitration uh, shenanigans and they're they're choosing to kind of jerk them around with the contract so i i don't i don't know what milwaukee's doing there and i think it's going to come back to bite them even more so than the josh Hader trade did last year remember when they traded josh Hader, they went on a crazy like losing spell and lost out on any chance to go to the playoffs so i i see them being third i do think the pirates finish ahead of the reds and i think the reds finish last but i think that there is a a six-game gap between the Cubs in second and the Reds in last. I think so that you so you've got the Reds in last place with seventy-five wins. Yeah, because I think that the I think that the Brewers win seventy-nine games. I think the Cubs win eighty. I think the uh, so I guess that's five games. Um, I think the Cubs win eighty. Brewers seventy-nine. Um, Pirates seventy-seven. Reds seventy-five. Okay, um, I agree with you about the Cardinals. Uh, I think the Brewers are going to be a little bit better than you do. I think they'll battle for it. Brewers will get a wild card. Cubs, I don't know. The Cubs are a hard team to read right now. Mm -hmm. um, they do have a wide range. I, I, they, they could be really good or they could be not really good. Um, but third place, I, I, I could see the Reds scrapping with them for third place, depending on how good the Cubs are. I think we're going to finish ahead of the Pirates. I know that there's this excitement surrounding the youth of the Pirates and some of the things they have done. Uh, I know Ethan Smith over at Locked on Pirates is really excited about the direction things are going. We have an opening day bet, by the way, Ethan Smith, Locked on Pirates. Uh because uh, the Reds are playing the Pirates on opening day. Uh, if the Reds win on opening day, Ethan has to record his show uh, in Reds gear. And if 
God, I hope this doesn't happen. If the Reds lose on opening day, I have to record in Pirates gear. Uh, but I think the Reds will finish ahead of the Pirates. So that's kind of how I have the pecking order. But I want to jump in on something you said about Milwaukee because it's uh, interesting with the arbitration. Did you see that thread I tagged you in yeah. uh, That from was Tampa, right? One Tampa of the players from player Thompson, yeah. I think. Yeah, with uh, where he kind of just outlined uh, very oh. non emotionally, just very, very, you know, matter of factly, uh, one of the players outlined their experience and the arbitration process and some of the things the team brought to the table to discredit and, you know, what was some stats from, from fan graphs and like there was yeah, a he, lot of interesting they- stuff in there. I found it interesting because he prefaced it all by saying he's just like, this hasn't hurt my relationship with the team. I understand it's a process that we all go through. It's something that everybody does. It's my job to prove that I am worth the contract that I want. And it's their job to prove that I am not worth the contract that I want. So I, I didn't, he, he said he didn't take any offense from it, but yeah, he was saying like they used uh, average exit velocity from baseball savant. They used, like some different sabermetric stats, especially like the ability to get uh, hitters to chase and the ability to get hitters to like pop up and stuff like that. But the one that he said, and it's a stat that nobody uses because he's like, I've never heard of this stat. And all of a sudden the Rays come at me with meltdowns, a stat that doesn't exist, but they used it to try and convince the arbitrator that, he didn't he doesn't live up to the numbers that he's asking for and the key as he said in this long thread on twitter about all of this is the stats that they specifically chose has buzzwords in them that an mm-hmm. arbitrator that may not necessarily be plugged into the game of baseball hears those words because they also they use blown saves and stuff like that and he said blown saves meltdowns hard hit like all this other stuff that like when you hear those words you're like oh well obviously he's not a good pitcher if he's given up all that it's like and it worked that's that's tough and it worked uh tampa won that arbitration i thought i just thought it was very interesting uh it's i tagged jeff in it on twitter if you guys want to go read it it's available out there it's it's interesting re- read it's worth a few minutes uh, jared follows up saying as long as the reds aren't out of it uh in the first month like last year we did a whole show on this jeff they're not going to go three and 22 to start the season right i feel good about that i feel good that they're going to come out with a vengeance they're gonna they're gonna start off the year a lot better Trying to think of better word the better, but they're going to start off the word a lot the year a lot better than uh, they did last year. I mean, it's not going to be hard. I mean, three and twenty two is just historically bad, but I don't think it's going to be a situation where they're you know six and nineteen or something. I think it's they're probably going to be closer to five hundred for the that same period yeah. of time. Yeah, I, I would, and you know, and I would be okay with that. I mean, listen, I want to win all the games, guys, but if they're five hundred through April. Looking at the April schedule, by the way, um, that's a great start. That's a rough start to the season. If you guys haven't looked at the schedule yet, um, Major League Baseball heard what David Bell said this offseason and was just like, challenge accepted. We'll give you all Mm -hmm. the hard teams on your schedule right out of the gate. Yep, (laughs) that's exactly what happened. Hey, here's one we haven't talked about in a while. And and let's I want to get your thoughts on something. Uh, Malachi says the moose is still loose. Nobody has tied him down yet. Are you surprised that? that's the case or do you think he's quietly retired 
I think it's I, I'm a little surprised. I think what he is doing is he's waiting for a contending team to be desperate for DH help. Uh he's not gonna play in the field anymore. We've seen that. That was embarrassing. But also the way that he hit wasn't that great either. He was very susceptible to strikeouts, didn't have a ton of power, didn't have a ton of pop. So I think what's happening is that he is asking for a certain contract when teams contact him and they're like, you're not worth that anymore. And so he's going to wait and see, you know, maybe a desperate team comes calling, but I, I kind of wonder, I, I hadn't thought about a quiet retirement, but that sort of sounds like a feasible thought with him. It's a bummer because I mean, I loved, I loved the signing. I loved when they brought him in. It's just, it has it never panned out and it never was going to after that first year. And he was just constantly hurt. Pat asks, assuming, I don't know what's going on with my computer guys. Sorry. Computer hates assuming, you. assuming Contreras pitches for the pirates on opening day. Do you see an outfield of Fraley, Friedel and Benson starting? Uh, yeah, Will, Will Myers. Myers I guess first. Will Myers at first base. Yeah. 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 Cause they'll load up the lefty. Like we've talked about that. David Bell loves to do that. They'll load up lefties against a right-handed pitcher like that. I wonder, I think, I think Bronzy Contreras would be their opening day starter. I don't think it'd be Rich Hill, which I think Rich Hill's right-handed anyway, but um, that team's, that's why that team's going to be so interesting is that they have an entire wave of starting pitchers that should be called up at some point this year but they also went out and they got veteran starters to boot. So, and Robert Stevenson is randomly on that team. I don't know why, but he's there. And you know (laughs) that, you know, Robert Stevenson, that's good. I don't know Pedro Guerrero, but I'm not judging. Pedro Guerrero is on the, is on the roster this year. Stop it. (laughs) Pat also asks, will the Reds be adding at the trade deadline? And I just thought it was interesting. Now that you've seen this team play a little bit, if you had to project them out, uh, addition or subtraction at the at the trade deadline? Mm, I think what will happen is if they if they really are sneaking on in around the trade deadline, I still wonder if they go Baltimore Orioles a little bit and they say, we're trusting the process. This wasn't supposed to be a year that we're going for it. We're, we're going to clutch our pearls a little bit. We'll maybe add a low-level relief pitcher or something like somebody that does not require anyone near the top 20 of Reds prospects. Maybe they do that then, but I don't see them making a big deal at the trade deadline if they're in contention. Uh, sorry, Jeff. There's a lot to wade through today. Hang on. When will we see Will Benson fan club t-shirts? You know, that's not out of the realm of possibility out there. I mean, we've seen things that, right, you know, when Puig was popular and in right field, the whole thing developed around him playing right field. I could see something out in the outfield sections. Uh, You know, we saw a Wade Miley fan club for a while. Uh, One thing that seems to happen is once a guy is embraced by the city, these little clubs of people pop up and, and have little areas in the ballpark. I could see something like that happening. It'd be kind of cool. I'm trying to think of a, a catchy name. I think that if Will Benson takes off very quickly, maybe you like cordon off part of the bleachers and you'd call them Benson's bleachers or something. I don't know. Not going to do wild horse club or something like that. That's already been taken. 
BR7 asks, how many times will India be hit by a pitch this year? You know, he's already he's a, started off with it. He's been plunked he, a couple times already. He got hit in camp. He got hit in practice. Graham Ashcraft hit him. It's just like, this guy just, he's a magnet. Like, is he going to be the Reds' Craig Biggio? Like, the for some reason, he just draws hit by pitches. And I don't know that that's a ability. I think it's very concerning because just about every time that happens, you're just like... Don't be hurt. Don't be hurt. Don't be hurt. But I mean, it gets him on base. So, you know, I don't know if you ever listen to the opposing team's feeds when you're watching games, I do sometimes, yeah. but I watched the Reds Dodgers game on MLB TV the other day. And the, for whatever reason, the WLW feed wasn't available through MLB TV. I could only get the Dodgers feed that day. And so I was listening to the Dodgers broadcasters, and I don't think I knew this, talking about being hit by pitches. And on the other side of things, the Reds pitchers, did you know that they led the major leagues last season? Yeah. And hit. Well, Nick Lodolo was super high himself. Right. So interesting take. You know, the, and I think this is probably just a case of, you know, visiting announcers that don't really know the team very well. But, you know, they were citing, well, you know, that's what happens when you have a young team and inexperience and, and they just don't quite have the control. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That pitch goes there on purpose. The yeah. fact that he hit so many people with that pitch is because it went exactly where it was supposed to go. And, you know, I know that Nick, this just brought this thought to my mind talking about India being hit by pitches, but I know that Nick Lodolo has talked about trying to get just a little bit more control on that to just get it close, but not Nick the guy. But, you know, that pitch is so nasty. I want him to continue to throw it, not mess with it too much. And if, if that means he hits a few guys along the way, I'm okay with that. Well, and think about the psychological effect that that has on the guy in the on deck circle. He's just like, crap, man, I got to be ready for this. And if it's coming at my foot, I'm either going to take it and go down to first, or I'm going to jump out of the way. So you just have that extra thought process in the guy's mind. I, I love it too. Like I, I had no problem because that was a stat that anytime somebody liked to bump it on Twitter and be like, look how many hitters that Nick Lodolo's hit this year. He must not be that good. It's like, well, you must not be watching very closely because the pitch that he's throwing is a heck of a pitch. And I don't want that to change hardly at all. Like if he could somehow still maintain its effectiveness and not hit guys, I wonder, because if you move it a little bit over, then it's over the plate and then it probably becomes a hit. So I, I don't think I want him to, worry too much about moving that pitch yeah if he what did he hit 19 guys last season i think yeah. that's that's the number that's sticking out in my head right 19 dudes that he hit and I, maybe yeah let's maybe if we can cut that down to 12 or 13 dudes throughout the course of a year i'll live with that all all year long if if it means think of that too like if you can cut seven that's seven more outs that's probably mm -hmm. lowering his era another like tenth of a run or something like that that's mm -hmm. pretty solid I'll definitely take that. Uh, Jared uh, says he doesn't know why Myers needs to be resurgent. Uh, this is based some on some of the things mm -hmm. we've said, some of the chat conversation. He always puts up good numbers, just needs to stay healthy. The This is the part. He will rake at Great American Ballpark. I think that's kind of what we all think, uh, that mm -hmm. him playing 81 games at Great American Ballpark is going to have a really positive effect on his overall production for the year. Uh, that and ballpark I and, and his skill set match up nicely. Oh, 100%. And I probably used the wrong word there when I, because I think I said resurgent Will Myers. It's not as if he has struggled, but 
maybe maybe to expound on the thought a little bit because we compared him a couple of weeks ago compared him to nick castellanos and career wise they're very similar but will myers has never had a single a singular season like nick castellanos had in 2021 when he played 81 home games at great american ballpark so that could be interesting could will myers be headed for a anomalous season like nick castellanos because nick castellanos was always a solid hitter but he was really good in 2021 could will myers be really good in 2023 yeah because it it doesn't necessarily line up with like the brandon drury story right it's it's not coming out of nowhere because he's not coming out of nowhere correct Um, and speaking of Brandon Drury, Debbie Brown points out, hi, Debbie, glad you're here. Um, she says uh, they have Brandon Drury in Milwaukee. That's three former Reds because they also have Tyler Naquin. So, you know, we joke about the Seattle Mariners being Cincinnati West. You know, the the Brewers are kind of becoming Cincinnati North. Yeah, but I think it just speaks to the fact that, you know, and, and as much as it pains us to say, because we all saw this as fans, but like the Reds were onto something with the guys that they had on the roster the last couple of years. And for some reason, they just didn't want to hold them all at the same time. See, Debbie got me. I should read the rest of the thing. Cause Brandon Drury was with the angels. I, yeah. I thought he was with Milwaukee too. I don't know why that was in my head. Maybe he was I talking was, to the, maybe he was talking to the brewers at some point. Maybe that was in the narrative for a minute. I think I saw that rumor too, but yeah, I, I was like, I thought he was an angel. I was like looking that up to make sure, but had me. Sorry, Jeff. Uh, We're going to take a couple more and then we're going to get out of here for the day. Uh, Yeah, we're leading into the Reds game. It's kind of, I mean, we didn't plan this to be a live pregame show. It's kind of turning into that a little bit. And just a shout out real quick. They got a pretty nice lineup. Like, I don't know that I would call it an opening day-esque lineup because there's probably a few guys in here that won't be on the opening day lineup. But you have India and Stevenson. Then you have Myers and Fraley. Then you have Pender, Casale, Friedel, Newman, Steer. None of those names are like obscure and you're like, oh, none of those guys are going to have a chance to start. All of these guys could have a chance to start today. And then you got Luke Weaver on the mound too. We've been talking a lot about him. And, you know, there's been a lot said about Luke Weaver possibly making the starting rotation. He's going to go up against the White Sox and Dylan Cease. Uh, for today's game, which I think is just on the radio. I don't think we have another televised game until tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to look that up right now and see if there's a MLB TV feed for everybody. But um, I think the White Sox are also a team that for some reason doesn't televise a bunch of spring training games. I don't understand why in 2022, and I don't want to get on a soapbox about this, but I don't understand why in the year of our Lord, which I guess is 2023, uh, they don't have every spring training game televised. Like, yeah, I, I tweeted this out earlier too. Like, I just, I don't get it. And, and, and major league baseball, I think at one time has cited production costs. Listen, you've got radio crews at every stadium already set up one darn camera in the press box and overlay the audio feed. That's all you have to do in order to at least have some coverage. And if they want to do some real production, I would even pay a little bit extra every year for MLB TV. If it included an add on or whatever for all of the spring training games, I would totally do that. Uh, Cycling, circling back to Will Myers for just a second. uh, Danny, thinks that if he stays healthy and plays all year, he'll, uh, you know, 
be a 25, 25 guy, still 25 bases, hit 25 home runs. I don't know if he'll still 25 bases, but I could see him hitting 25 home runs at great American ballpark. The homers is definitely something I could see. Um, don't think steals. He only had two steals last year. Uh, I don't know that that was by design or not, but 25 steals would be the second most steals he's had in his career. When he was an all-star in 2016, he had 28 steals that year. Uh, the only other year that he had 20 was 2017. So it's been a few years since he's really stolen that many bases. 25 and 25 would be amazing. And it would follow along with our, with what we're talking about with the reds prioritizing team speed. But I don't think Will Myers is part of that prioritization. I think it's, it's mostly focused on, you know, Will Benson and, Jonathan India and you know guys like that. Debbie says she uh sees a feed on an MLB. Is that um, M- Debbie? If you're still in the chat, is that MLB Network? Because I don't see it on MLT MLB TV. Let me know where you're seeing that if you see it out there. Uh I want to get into this. We got a great nickname already for Will Benson's fan club. Oh, Benson's yeah. Battalion. How's that, Jeff? Can you see the shirts out there? Maybe some guys in like army hats the camo red tats that come out on a uh, military appreciation day, you know, like Benson's battalions. Don't uh, give people in Southwest be... Ohio a reason to wear camo. <laughs> <laughs> They've already got a lot. They've already, they're already wearing a lot, but no, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I like Benson's battalion though. I'm down with that. Debbie says MLB network. So it looks like you can okay. see the game on MLB network. So let's that must uh, be the White Sox broadcast. Then I'm not must sure be that. the well, no, but I don't. It may be an MLB network exclusive oh. because uh, I don't see the Chicago feed listed on MLB TV. So I if it's Maddie V and uh, Eduardo Perez, that could so be. I'll have to go check that out. Let me find one more question, um, Jeff, while I do that. Tease our Monday show one more time. Yeah, so on Monday, we are going to discuss what David Bell can do to earn a contract extension. He's on his final year of his contract. The Reds have a wide range of outcomes. And is it a foregone conclusion? He's just going to get another year or is this something he could earn a multiple year extension? We're, we're going to discuss that a lot more on Monday because I mean, David Bell has been here for a couple of different iterations of Reds ball clubs. And now we're looking at, okay, they're, they're building for the future. Is David Bell part of that future? And since we, you know, kind of tried to to temper the hype train this week, and we are usually the optimistic bunch, let's end on an optimistic note. I like this comment. Uh, Malachi says he believes the Reds will be last year's Orioles by actually making a run towards the postseason. You know, Jeff, you and I have both kind of teetered on the edge of this you know where if you you squint real hard and tilt your head kind of sideways you can see them at least being in the conversation towards the end of the season where are you at on this there's certainly a ton of question marks and they all have to be answered in a positive way for this to happen but i don't think that's far-fetched the the guys that they're calling up now and i've said this multiple times over the last year the guys that they're calling up now are so much better than the guys that they were calling up in the period between 2015 and 2019. Those guys that they were calling up, they were really just kind of hoping that they hit on them, but they did not have a deep farm system at that time. And there was a lot of guys who were just kind of getting toward the point where they were graduating from the minors, 
but they were really just quadruple A guys. I don't look at a lot of players that are supposed to be called up this season and think quadruple A. I look at a lot of them and I think future stud for this team. There's there's not one of these guys that I have a worry of, boy, they're really going to be duds and I just hope they prove me wrong. I'm the opposite. They are innocent until proven guilty. And I think that that's the way that I look at this entire team. That being said, you're still worried about the bullpen. How does it hold up? Is it going to be a detriment to this team? The last half of last season, it wasn't that bad. But we know bullpen is, you know, relief pitching is a fickle thing. So how's that play out? How does Green Little and Ashcraft take a step forward, maintain their health, and lead this rotation that without them is super susceptible? So we can't see them missing significant time. And then who steps up in the four and the five spot in that starting rotation? There's so many questions past that, but those are the big ones that I look at and I say, I don't know that every single one of those will be answered in a positive way. So I still say, yeah, 75 wins is where my optimistic expectations are. And then I hope they can jump from there, but I'm not going to say that I expect them to make that jump. And, and that's where I am there. You just did a great job of outlining a lot of the questions and you're right. There's even more questions. You, that list of questions can go on and on for a long yeah. time. And that's why I'm not, I'm reluctant to say, yeah, they're going to at least be in consideration for that final wild card spot. But I do think that, you know, baseball being baseball, it, it it's not a 0% chance that they're at least in the conversation. Now, maybe they don't make that final wild card, but I think that we'll be talking about them more in August and September this year than we were last year. And I think nationally they'll be talking about them more in August and September this year than they were last year. And that's an improvement that's moving in the right direction. And if, even if they don't quite hit this year, uh, it puts us in line for what you and I have talked about, which is the, the likelihood that 2024 is going to be spectacular around here. So, uh, you and know, even I'm Zips excited gave to see them a how it plays out. chance to make the playoffs. They didn't see, say 2%. zero. It's 2%. better than zero. That's right. All right, Jeff, I think that's a good spot to go ahead and call this one. Uh, once again, thanks for everybody that's been in the live chat and asking questions and commenting. And I know you crazy animals have been having side stuff over there. Yes. You did distract me a few times. Yes. You did throw me off a few times. You guys, you guys do you, uh, that stuff's never going to make it onto the show though. Uh, but uh, I appreciate the baseball questions. I appreciate you guys talking about this team and caring about this team as much as Jeff and I do. I love these shows. Uh, we will do a couple more Aloha Friday lives. And then once the season gets here, uh, they'll stop for the season. They'll be back next off season. But Jeff and I are cooking up some plans for some lives here and there, maybe some pregames, things like that. So with all that being said, Jeffrey, uh, take us home. That's going to do it for us here today. Can't wait for the game that's coming up here in just a few minutes. Luke Weaver towing the rubber against Dylan Cease and the White Sox. And as Debbie Brown said, check it out on MLB Network. But that'll do us here. Do it for us here today. Now check out the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast as Matt and Dom will help you win your league with great fantasy draft strategies as we head into fantasy draft season. That's Locked On Fantasy Baseball, just like Locked On Reds. It's free and available on all platforms, and we're all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And Steve, as we continue to move through spring training, as we continue to wonder about the return of Joey Votto, what we might see out of Nixon's elf, we see anything at all, and the rest of the question marks that the Reds have, what can people expect from you and me?
Well, they can expect us to have the energy, the hype, and the passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We're going to be dialed into the transactions, the rumors, the waivers, and everything that happens between now and opening day. We're going to report back to you all right here and keep you locked on Reds every single day. Benson's Battalion. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.